You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the focus of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you've had a great weekend. I had an excellent, excellent weekend. I had loads and loads of fun with my family since I am on vacation. I am loving this. It is good to just take some time to relax and be with the ones that you love, and I hope that you get to do the same very soon. All month long... I am shining a little light on Unique Leader Records. I am so happy that I get to do this. I love this record label. They have so many great, great bands, excellent releases, spanning all the way back to some old school legacy bands, to a bunch of new and exciting up-and-coming bands. You should absolutely go check them out. Until the end of the month, you can go to the Unique Leader's Indie Merch Store, and when you are checking out, you apply the promo code VOXANDHOPS, that's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S, and you will save 10% on your order. You should absolutely do this because uh, they got a whole bunch of great stuff. They got some cool pre-orders up there right now. You should go and uh, you'll save 10% while supporting extreme fucking music. Do it, people. Support the things you love. Support extreme music. On today's episode, I am with Cannibal Cam, the man behind the growl, a death metal documentary. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 159. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up everyone? Today I'm with Cannibal Cam. Uh, the man behind The Growl, a death metal documentary, uh, Rabid Dog Films. He also works with CDN Records. Uh, super stoked to be with you. Uh, I'm so happy you hit me up about uh, doing a trade-off episode. Uh, we're going to have to do a round two after this on your side, but I'm excited to have you first on my side. Uh, I've been following you in Canadian metal media for a few years now, so it's it's cool to be with you. I, I'm not sure if we met face-to-face, maybe at a gig in Toronto once, but, you know, all shows sort of blend together, sadly. <laughs> so let's start with a simple question. Uh, how did you deal with uh, social isolation, COVID-19? Uh, a lot of the musicians that I have been speaking to enjoyed it because uh, they are introverts. I don't know if you are the same, if you like being around people, or if you'd rather be by yourself. Uh, well, I mean, just growing up, I've moved a lot. Like my, my, my family, we moved probably every two years or so. So I find I kind of figured out how to entertain myself, so I'm pretty good by myself. Because I mean, like, I mean, I'm a big horror fan. I love mu- movies, music, uh, video, no, old school video games, pretty much. But uh, I kept myself entertained pretty good. But I've always liked that social aspect of it all. I mean, I love jamming. I like being in a band, or did. Um, and now that we're doing this documentary, obviously we had to you know, get out there and go chat with as many people as possible. So at first it was kind of like, okay, well, I guess we're all getting fucked here. So let's, you know, let's have a couple drinks and, you know, let's see how this goes. And then, you know, you start going through these waves and I'm like, man, but I miss people. But then I'm like, okay, now I can get projects done, but I still can't do projects because I'm missing my crew and, you know, people that I'm involved with. So how do I do that? And then it's like, okay, but I think I'm okay. Uh, so nowadays we're kind of like, 
okay, we can work through this by let's let's write some scripts. Let's start, you know, working on some stuff in the background that we didn't really have time for. And so I guess now is kind of a good thing because it's opening up a little bit now. So we're getting some stuff done. We shot a music video on Saturday, obviously, you know, distance as much as we could. Um, and we're going to start working on some projects because, I mean, now that they just released that the Serb is getting extended for another few months now, right? I mean, us musicians and entertainment guys and whatever creative people, that's, that was my job. It's not, not nothing's, nothing's coming back for a long time, right? I mean, concerts, whatever. I'm a stagehand, all that kind of stuff. So that's not happening for a while. So it's like we might as well crack down. And it's like, okay, let's write some scripts. Let's write some, you know, let's write some dialogue. Let's figure out how the, you know, now that we can sit down, let's figure out how the growl, the documentary, is going to pan out. And I guess it's okay. Because <laughs> now, that, now, now that us creative types can kind of sit back, we're still getting paid. I mean, it, it, is it a good thing? I guess. But, I mean, this gives us time now to actually sit down and it's like, okay, we can't screw this time up now. Let's get shit done. I agree. It's, it's important. I've been saying it a lot on the podcast that people should be creative. As soon as this hit, that was like my main goal. I, I lamented it first and then I was like, okay, how can we use this time properly? And I challenged all of my Vox and Hopshead listeners, uh, speaking to a lot of artists that have been doing stuff that uh, they had on the back burner. So that's cool that you, you're doing that as well. And if, for anyone that is listening, I was wondering what CERB is. It is uh, our government's monthly handout, which here in Canada is actually useful as opposed to what uh, the United States decided to give their citizens. So we are grateful to be Canadian right now. So... Uh, Huge shout out to, uh, to the Canadian government for for helping us artists continue. <laughs> continue, but no, we got to use sure. time properly. We can't just go buy records. Uh, I interviewed Thomas from <laughs> Redefining Darkness Records, and he was like, "I think everyone's just using this money to buy records because <laughs> sales are through the roof." <laughs> yeah, understandable. I get it because I mean, you know, we're all sitting back and we're trying to be supportive of you know, the arts and entertainment and whatever, right? So we want to help out our friends, buy records, buy tapes, CDs, whatever we want, movies or whatever. But this is the time, though, like you said, we have to start focusing on, okay, we never get this opportunity to sit back and focus on our shit now. Like, it never happens. So now let's get your riffs together, get your scripts together, get your videos together, whatever it has to do. This is the time because we're never going to get this again. No, it's, it's a once in a century happenstance, right? You know, and, and <laughs> the next time it happens, we'll be dead. <laughs> Speaking of dying, uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about life, metal and craft beer. Uh, I have a beautiful beer here, and you do not. And tell everyone why you don't partake in beer. So you, you mentioned to me a little bit before we started recording. If you feel like sharing that, please do. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge beer drinker. I, it was, I was, probably didn't start drinking until I was 20, 21, 22. Um, <laughs> crack that yes. <laughs> uh, it's just because when my when my weed started running out 
it was like, well, what else do we have? I mean, I'm 45, so this is in the you know 90s, early 90s or whatever. And it was like, all right, let's go to the bar, let's go, you know, hang out with some friends, and I need to get a buzz. So it's a couple beers here and there. So you know, no big deal. I've always been a weed smoker myself, and you know, a couple drinks in the background. But lately, as soon as I hit 40, I'm 45 now. As soon as I hit 40, literally, it seems like my body started just going through another phase, and I've you know, I'm watching what I'm doing over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And for some reason, it seems like the wheats and the glutens and whatever like that are affecting me massively that it's giving me asthma. So as soon as I have a couple beers and like a slice of pizza, my next few days, I'm like ruined. I'm scratchy, itchy. I'm my inhaler. It's just, it's insane. So I'm trying to find something else. Like, you know, I just I, I brewed up a whole, a whole thing of like vodka and sodas you know, with some lemon and uh, I'm just trying to be healthy lately. <laughs> I, I, I can be a fat guy real easy. It's not a problem. I'm 230 as it is right now. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty active. I like to go out and BMX and go for hikes and do all kinds of stuff. But if I sit there for a week and just, you know, eat some breads and some pizza and some beers, I'll be two, 300 pounds in no time. <laughs> it is a struggle fighting the hops. It is a, it is an <laughs> absolute struggle. Uh, it is a daily challenge that I'm trying to get through myself. <laughs> so you're drinking vodka and soda out of a schooner glass, which is cool, though. Out of a good old schooner glass. That's it. Old school. We're going old school. I got a nice little glass collection. So I like that. Keep yeah. this thing. Ne- next time I come through uh, the Toronto area or the GTA or... Somewhere where you'll come up to a show, I will bring you a sick non-gluten beer. Okay, like uh, oh, what are those? What are those ones that everybody's drinking? White claws? Oh no, nowadays? no, it's real beer. White, white claw? <laughs> no, I had one. I've had one, and I'm sorry to all my listeners that are on the white claw train. I had one, and I poured it right down the drain, and I don't do that. Wow, I did not like okay. it. I was very disappointed in it. So I'm drinking Third Moon Brewing Company. This is a brand new brewery out of Milton, Ontario. It is a uh, super metal. Everything they do is metal, and I love it. This is their dust made flesh, which is just too perfect for, <laughs> the, you know, the new singer of Cryptopsy, no, the newish singer of Cryptopsy. <laughs> of course, ten, of ten course, year singer of Cryptopsy. This is an eight percent double IPA. The art is by Yard Wolves. It's worth mentioning, sadly, you guys can't see it, but it's uh, got some neon pink and light blue uh, skull horror theme going on i'm all about it so it's obviously a reference to blasphemy made flesh and that's kind of funny i was just uh i was just going through where is it here uh since we're talking about cryptopsy yes on gentle exhumation right there yeah there we go we got the original demo yeah and i like that cover with the kicked over grave uh tombstone yep. i like that cover better than the other the the morbid angel ripoff one yeah, totally. Well, because, I mean, it was originally put out by them on Gore Records, right? Same with, yeah. So that was my first introduction to Cryptopsy was getting the demos back in the day, man. I, and that was probably literally as soon as Ungentile came into the mail and we reviewed it for our fanzine and whatever like that. It's like there is nothing else in the world that compares to, you know to that kind of, you know, Montreal death metal, I guess you'd want to say. I love that scene back then. It, it just I wish I was there feeling living that competition that that friendly egging on between Gorgut's cataclysm and and cryptopsy at the time it must have been just so much fun and then everything in the background we had morcom we had uh cadaverosity uh what else did we have here chaos sick uh obnoxious 
all these old Montreal Shit, death metal man. bands, man. That scene was unbelievable at that time. Holy shit. <laughs> it, was, it, it was unlike anything else, though, literally. Like, I mean, for the forefront, you had Gorguts, you had Purulence, um, and nothing, and Cryptopsy, and nothing was touching it. Like, the hyperblast, that extreme, you know, you want to call it extreme death metal at the time. It was just, it stood out from everybody. So it was cool to see that at that time. I love it. I don't know where it came from. I don't, I don't know where the influence came. I get the, I asked the question and I get that question all the time. Why is Montreal, why Montreal? You know, why, why Florida? Why Montreal? Why San Francisco? There's no real answer to these questions except for circumstance and people being in the right place and putting the efforts in and uh, being inspired by other people. I think that's really what it comes down to. Having a a, a scene, a place where the, the people can play, I think that's important too. Like you have to be able to showcase what you're working on outside of the jam. Why was Montreal so intense though? That's what that's what that's what I don't understand. Why is it out of all the scenes? I mean, Florida was the big one. And California was big at the time, but like, why Montreal? Were they the fastest? Why? <laughs> I don't know. We have to, I don't know. Every, everything has to be turned to eleven, I guess. I, I always I, the, the older the, the older answer that I have why why there's such a scene there now, it, it goes to to BCI shows at the medley because everyone grew up there. Everyone grew up watching all the international acts coming through town and uh, having a a premier showcase of metal. And CT de Mille, which is where we all jam. Cryptopsy still jams there today. Uh, it's you walk through the hallways, and and that that's where a bunch of musicians are all the time, and that's how all these projects start. And everyone's in everyone's band is because of CT. Right, but why is it so fast? <laughs> <laughs> why is it hyperblast? That's where it came from. They got to be intense. Let, let's let's go back to 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 your sound, the soundtrack of your youth. I know that uh, you 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 used to jump over into Buffalo to get a bunch of uh, the U.S. touring acts and stuff. Tell me about the soundtrack you used though when you were growing up in your parents' house. What music was playing when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? All right. So my dad originally he was a jammer back in the day too. Uh, he played bass and he played or he jammed with the guys from Blood, Sweat, and Tears. In the early, early days before, you know, they, they, the hit was What Goes Up, right? So their hit song, right? So he jammed with those guys before they hit big. So he was a big music guy, but he was all soul and funk and, uh, and you know, the Motown and all that kind of stuff. My mom, was she was big into the, the Beach Boys, the early Beatles, and that kind of 50s kind of style of stuff. So growing up, obviously, you know, I'm... Being, you know, uh, ex- experimental and, and checking things out, you know, going through the record collection. I see Wild Cherry. I see Curtis Mayfield. I see the Beach Boys and all that kind of. And then what really got me, though, was k had compilations back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, more or less. And this one compilation, I have two copies of it. And I still have the original copy from my parents. And it featured like. Uh, Diana Ross, Steely Dan, uh, Doobie Brothers, and all this kind of stuff. So I would constantly put on this two-album KTEL compilation and listen to this music like all the time and then realized all of a sudden it was like, oh, so there's radio stations that play this stuff also. So 
uh, I found I going to the AM dial. Find like I like, like a lot of yacht rock, soft rock, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, I heard Crazy Train, and that kind of started changing things. So I was like, okay, so Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, Ozzy Osbourne was in Black Sat. Oh, okay. And then my neighbor, I was BMX racing at the time, so early '80s, and my neighbor's older brother. When Peace of Mind came out by Iron Maiden, he came over, showed the record to us, and he's like, oh, look at this. And we're like, what the fuck is this? Holy crap. And then, you know, obviously checking all that out. But then I jumped right into breakdance. Really? Okay. <laughs> I went I went full circle. I mean, I, I, I guess it's the influence from my dad because mm-hmm. he liked the soul and the funk and all that. So I, I heard that. But I jumped right into breakdance and hip hop and everything for for many years. And then it was probably about 87, 86, 87, when I started getting into skateboarding uh, that all of a sudden it was like, oh, so what's Black Flag and what's Dinosaur Jr. And what's, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, And then all of a sudden Metallica Slayer, bam. And then it just it just blew up after that crazy that's a excellent excellent trip of music i like it it's very fun (laughs) i I still listen to breakdance as much as i can man i I love it the movie breaking itself right that's uh, that movie's unbelievable when you said when you said a bmx thing i the the movie rad came to my mind yep i love that movie (laughs) oh my god i have that soundtrack on vinyl too it's hilarious fun memories right there But it just gets you pumped, though. That soundtrack, the rad soundtrack. Uh, John Farnham was the guy who did the uh, the music, the main songs like Thunder in Your Heart uh, from that movie. And literally every time I need that motivation or that pump, I put in the... Yes. I do. I'm on top of the world and I can fight everything. Yes. <laughs> and that, that's what it was made for. Those, that music during that era, like the AOR, all that arena rock stuff, like when Survivor came out with Eye of the Tiger, obviously. That was my song. Play it again. Play it again, Dad. Dude. Play it again, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> and he was nice and he did. He played it again. Yeah. yeah, and that gets you fucking jacked. And it was like, okay, well, what other songs that get you jacked from that era? So it's that whole '80s vibe with like even Burning Heart from uh, Survivor, who did the Rocky soundtrack. It's like, holy crap, man! I just want to tackle the world. <laughs> <laughs> love it, I love it. Where where did all this go? How did you end up getting in so involved with the Canadian metal music scene? Uh, well, it, that's a long story for sure, but, uh, I don't know if it was long, but when I, I found, I found Napalm Death and Extreme Noise Terror and stuff. And it was like 89, 90. And I was obviously like, okay, like this, there's some, something happened with music and I want to be a part of this. Like, this is crazy. This is insane. So like, I had a few punk buddies, a few old school metal buddies too, uh, who started handing me, uh, flyers and some fanzines and stuff, right? So I was like, okay, so there's like a mass network going on here other than just, you know, death angels, suicidal tendencies, and all this kind of stuff, right? So I start digging into that, and the first the first flyer I got was a relapse catalog from like 90, 91. 
So I mailed out to that, came back, and then it was like, you know, there's all there, there, there's everything there. But it's like, okay, so what's in the area? So ended up going over to it was actually New York and Buffalo before I I was like, okay, there's more there's Canadian going on. So ended up going over to Buffalo and New York because that's where you know, I heard Cannibal Corpse was over there and Malevolent Creation and all that kind of stuff. So then end up uh, finding a couple zines and some friends from Toronto. Uh, they were doing some fanzines at the time. And I was like, okay, so there is a Canadian scene. So that's cool. So then obviously I start, okay, so you're close. You're Canada here. So my buddy Darren Quinn, who did a fanzine called uh, it was Genital Grinder at the time, uh, made friends with him, and he ended up turning into uh, the band Monster Voodoo Machine. So, so they did some big tours with Ozfest and all that kind of stuff. But he did a fanzine back in the day, and my buddy Metal Dan, who did a fanzine called Metal Assault, uh, he introduced me to a lot of started you know Canadian stuff also. So it was kind of just like okay, so I, I've already established you know who's in the Buffalo you know, New York scene kind of thing like that. So who's in Toronto, who's in Oshawa. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get cryptopsy. I'm getting gastric pus from Toronto. And then, all you know, and then it's like, who, oh, who, who the fuck is slaughter and who the fuck is infernal majesty and all this kind of stuff. So it kind of went from that. And then I just went full force with just everything, fanzines, band, editorial work, uh, as much as I could just to be a part somehow with everything that's going on just because you know there was such a tight niche at the niche at the time that it was you felt you felt important to be in part of you know this little circle or whatever so it just it got me sparked and then i started putting on shows in like 93 first death fest in niagara falls and you know had a couple canadian bands from oshawa massification inbred uh massification they were from i believe new market and then uh i started a band called mangled uh so i we, we put out a demo tape in 93 and inbred from oshawa and it just kind of went from there i mean i just i love everything so i just wanted to be a part of whatever circle i could be whether it be canadian american european it didn't matter so it just blew up from there <laughs> at what point did you have the idea of starting the growl a death metal documentary how many years before because i know it's a long time in the works uh well so i hooked up with my rabid dog films partner now who started rabid dog back in 2004 uh, they did a movie called Versus the Dead. Uh, it came out uh, while, you know, worldwide release, everything like that. And the soundtrack to them was like, I think, I believe they had Cyclone, uh, B, they had Exhumed, they had Integrity, they had all these bands at the time. So I was like, you're from fucking Hamilton. I, how do I not <laughs> know who you are? This tight circle of people that should know each other, yes. Exactly, exactly. So I met Phil. Uh, at a fan expo, which is the Toronto Comic-Con, which was the festival of fear and, you know, the horror side with the comic side and all that kind of stuff. So he was pumping this movie at the time. And so we got together. We kind of worked on some things, yada, yada, a few years later. 
Uh, we went through, um, uh, we did a play with George Romero, actually, Night of the Living Dead Live. I got pulled on to that to do some uh, behind the scenes and help with social media and all that kind of stuff. But Phil was the main man behind that. So after that, we were just like, we need to get back to the B side of movie things and stuff and just kind of do what we want. Like, you know, we love metal. We love, you know, crazy movies and stuff like that. So we started working on some things and then making more connections. And a friend of ours who works a distribution company out of Toronto, I was like, man, I see you working with like Thor and Vakken and, you know, a couple other cop uh, documentaries. Nobody has done a death metal documentary. And the only one that did do something was Bilzebub from the Grimoire of Exalted Deeds. He was an old school zine guy also, but he did his, He's doing some movies and stuff here and there. So he did this death metal documentary like about 15 years ago. I'm like, nobody's done like the death metal documentary. I'm like, well, we've already fucking been involved with a few things and stuff. And, you know, I've been involved in the scene for quite a while. And I might, I might know some people. Let's try it out. He's like, OK, well, uh, you start the ball rolling and we'll help on the background. So that was about... What, three, three and a bit years ago now, and it's kind of just, you know, patiently working on things. And I, I, yeah, I guess about three and a half years ago, really, it was just like we need the, we need that essential death metal documentary, and nobody's doing it. So it's like, well, we might as well do it. It's it's the time is ripe too because there's a resurgence with a lot of younger bands that are coming back with that old school sound, which is interesting and fun to hear. And uh, you want to get all these people while they still remember what the hell was happening back then. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And there's just like, there's so many stories in the background that I feel are missing. Like we all know about, you know, obituary. We all know about deicide, morbid angel and all that kind of stuff. But what about the dudes in the background that kept the scene going, though? The guys that did the fanzines, the guys that did the distribution companies, the tape traders, and the logo guys, and the, the artists and everything like that. They're the ones that kept that underground going. Because, I mean, everybody knows about the big bands. But what about what happened in the background the whole time? Because John McEntee from Incantation, you know, he, he always brings up, it's like, when everybody kind of, you know, disbanded and, and left the scene in the 90s when, you know, everything was going alternative and doing, you know, if things were changing, it's like we stayed there and we kept it heavy and brutal because that's, that's what we had to do. There was no other choice. We're not jumping ship. We're not going grunge. We're not going to turn into Alice in Chains and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, we want those kind of stories to give the true side of what, you know, people in the death metal scene have kept doing this whole time. Yeah, it's true. There was then the meth metal has gone through a whole bunch of genre switches. Oh. And I feel like it's it's bigger than ever now, which makes me super happy. You see more and more just huge festivals with the, albeit varied lineups of what metal is now. But but the extremity is always still there, which is which is refreshing. You know, we the alternative, the the grunge scene, the new metal scene. You know, like the late nineties was tough for for extreme metal bands. That's for sure. Yes, and it went really underground at that time too. That's when kind of like you know, dying fetus started coming to light, and 
uh, skinless and rotting and all these brutal bands and the fatigues of flesh. Like Unique Leader Records was a massive, a massive part with keeping shit going in the background and giving new light to what was, you know, people said stale going on during that time, right? So it was like, all right, well, you think generic death metal, you know, Florida, everybody just loves brutality and everybody loves resurrection and deicide and all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, now we're going to Texas. We're going to who the fuck is devourment? Who the hell is, oh, you know, all these kind of crazy bands going in the background that's shaking things up a bit. Now it's faster again. It's heavier. The growls are sickening. We're getting into pig squeals and all this kind of shit. So it's changing things up. So it sparked a lot of interest again, I think. Absolutely. And then nowadays with bands like Cattle, who are still extreme, but now are even bringing in other outside elements to metal. I, I love the evolution of metal. I love how, how it's never become stale. And as soon as it does, there's always one band that comes in that sparks a revolution. Yeah, literally does, man. And yeah, like in the 2000s itself was, again, it was kind of going through its phases. And, you know, there was a few bands in the background that were trying to keep the flame alive. Like obviously Incantation, we can't, Immolation never stopped. Cryptopsy never stopped either. Uh, they were kind of doing their own thing in the background. But then all of a sudden, like the late 2000s, there were a few people going, you know what, 20, 20 years ago, that old school death metal sound, it's old school sounding, but it's kind of new again because we have a new generation of people that, you know, that got into the metal core and the death core and all that kind of stuff. And they want to find something else. So it's like, oh, wow, they like obituary. They like cannibal corpse. They like, you know, that 90s, 80s sound or whatever. They're going to start bringing it back. So you had started to get some cool bands and Razorback Records was another label that kind of sparked some fun again in death metal. And so, yeah, I mean, that's just, I guess what the growl is really is just finding all everything that happened in the background to keep things fun. Uh, you're interviewing a lot of people. At what point are you going to feel like you're finished? <laughs> Cause I know I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a content whore. I can't stop myself. I love yep. doing interviews. I love scheduling interviews. I'm always happy when I do. I always like to hear that extra story. When do you think you're going to be feel like you're finished? Well, we were trying to be finished by October. That was our goal. Cause we had, um, we still needed to go to, uh, Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania to go hang out with like uh, Dirkada and Funerus. We need, you know, we obviously need the female side because I mean, it's not just a sausage party. Death metal's not just that. So we needed that side of things too, right? So we were gonna, you know, we had to go down to there. We wanted to go back to New York to uh, uh, film uh, a few bands there. Uh, Ohio, we had to get, we're, going, we're coming actually up to Quebec. So I, Montreal soon. So maybe we can, uh, we, we, we could actually hook up then. Uh, but we were hoping, like I said, by October to be done filming and to get enough of what we needed. Uh, but obviously with everything that's going on, it kind of put a push on things. But, uh, like I said, man, we're working hard in the background to try to schedule what we can. So now that we have to stay in Canada for the next what, month and a half or whatever, that we're going to just focus on what we need in, in, in Canada land <laughs> and uh, just get that shit done. So as soon as the borders open, 
we can boom, get over there, get the shit done, and then start editing right away. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, with death metal, it would never stop because, I mean, there's so many different, you know, scenes and genres within death metal that can be talked about and brought up and everything like that. But we kind of just want to keep, like, you know, <laughs> it's pretty hard. <laughs> I think my next question is going to be just as hard. How long do you want to edit this down to? Right. Uh, well, we were hoping to at least an hour and a half to get a nice edit strictly and then maybe have like 17 behind the scenes discs. <laughs> <laughs> because everyone has that story that you're going to want to include. It's going to be, I can imagine the hardest part of this, aside from just scheduling and getting all the interviews and going to see everyone, is going to be to edit it down to something that's reasonable to ingest as, 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 a, as a fan watching this. I think it's going to come down to like we have so many interviews and so many rad stories because I mean, like I said, man, I've you know I've been a part of the scene for like thirty plus years, and I kind of know who is the important ones to get the stories from, and I feel we have those stories. So to edit those, obviously, it's going to be hard because I mean, you want to you want to have like each person to be like thirty minutes part of the you know this documentary. But obviously we can't. So it's good. You know, we could probably do two, two and a half hours and it would literally fly by like not like, you know, like nothing because we have, you know, the interest and in the stories and the cool things that happen. But, you know, obviously if film festivals and all that kind of stuff happens, they don't want it too long. So we got to figure that aspect out also. But I mean, like I said, we're hoping like maybe an hour and a half, hour 45 tops. And then have like 17 behind the scenes discs. <laughs> I'm sure people yeah. are going to want to watch it. I'm going to want to watch it. I know that. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be there. Um, you guys started doing live stream interviews, which I thought is super cool. Uh, talk to me about that. Is that just uh, f- keeping yourselves busy, keeping yourselves chatting with people? Is it also getting some content, some some footage at the same time for the documentary? Or is this pure extras? Uh, well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm. I love to be busy. I mean, ever since probably about 10 years ago, um, I lost my full-time job. Uh, I separated from my wife. We lost our house. I smashed my car. Like all this shit happened all at once. But in the background, I was obviously, you know, working and doing all this other stuff with movies, music, whatever. So I was like, screw it. I guess, you know, the fate has brought me to this point where I need to do this full time so went hard started going everything like that so the last 10 years i've been you know self-employed doing all this shit on my own so as soon as this crap happened i'm gonna say crap because it sucks because so as soon as this happened i was you know we i went through that phase i was like okay well i guess i'm gonna drink for a few weeks because like i like everything has been taken away from me concerts friends you know productions movies all this stuff just been taken away from me and then i start getting i'm like okay well i guess i need to utilize this time might as well start hanging out with the people that we want to interview that we unfortunately can't get together with right now so let's put a call out and obviously everybody just was just like great idea okay (laughs) i'm in i'm in i'm in and then it started as four interviews a week i was like I fucking love this. This is amazing, right? I mean, I'm, I'm hanging out with the people 
that I want to talk with because, I mean, just like-minded individuals. You want to just hang out like your buddy. You want to talk about metal and movies and whatever. So we were doing four. I was I was doing four interviews a week. And then I was like, yeah, okay. I, you know, I'm, burn, I'm not burning myself out, but this is a lot of work, right? I mean, you still have to do your you know, your due diligence and, you know, do some research. Uh, I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. So, you know, let's call everybody up. Let's figure this out. Three interviews a week. And then I got down to two interviews a week. And unfortunately this week, I'm not doing interview, any, any interviews because, uh, I mean, we just have some other production stuff that we're doing on the side. I mean, we're big horror movie fans. So we were, we're trying to make some, you know, shorts and whatever stuff like that on the side. But, mostly was just because i want to hang out with you guys and just like you like everybody i want whoever's involved with death metal i just want to be friends with i love you know what everybody's doing whether it be bands labels artists uh tape traders you know other people doing you know interviews also this is what i want this is what i go to shows for this is why i travel to go hang out with people because I want to talk about, you know, death metal and, and all this stuff. So let's do these live streaming interviews. I don't care how primal it looks. I hooking up a laptop to a TV and let's just go. We're going to get the content anyways. And I, I'm assuming people are having fun doing this. For sure. People, people are, are love it. Uh, they want to hear these stories. They want to be, it's like being in a bar sometimes just sitting there. You're like a fly on the wall watching. And I, I totally get the, the burning out doing interviews. It's super fun doing Vox and Hops. I love it to death. Uh, but in since when the pandemic hit, I was home for 11 weeks. And I think I conducted somewhere between 40 and 50 interviews. And there was times where I was like, okay, I'm not going to do any this week. And then I would schedule interviews <laughs> right <laughs> because I, at first I, I interviewed like a lot of people because i was worried that the pandemic was going to be like a false thing and people were just going to go back to work <laughs> so mm-hmm. i wanted to get as many people at home uh, as i could so I, I did a really a lot at first <laughs> but uh i'm calming down now since i've been i've been back at work for three weeks now so oh okay yeah and i'm a stagehand so we're not going mm-hmm. back that that's the problem mm-hmm. i mean so it's, you know, I, I work at one of the local casinos, so we set up the events, we set up the big shows that come through and everything, and they want to open the casinos, but only to gamblers, but still spacing everybody out at least two or three slot machines in between, and that pretty much, there there's no shows in, in, in sight, concerts, anything, right? You're not hearing anything, all right? In Quebec, there's discussions of having... 50 people gatherings but you can't talk and you need to be 1.5 meters apart from each other wow that's what's happening in quebec it was announced this week so obviously metal shows are not happening i saw a video from somewhere in france i believe it was a 900 capacity room there was 100 people there or 200 people there there was x's on the floor where you have to stand i don't want to play that show that's not a show that i want to play i don't want to it doesn't feel right for metal and as Randy said on the episode I had with him, you think anyone's going to stand still when we start playing? I don't think so. So it's not going to happen for a long time. And, and that's the problem with, with, with the music that we're into. The most aggressive scenes right now are the ones that are having the hardest time because when you, like you said, when you get on stage, you think people are just going to sit there. 
at punk and hardcore and metal shows and stuff like like that's ridiculous. There's not it's not gonna happen. And the longer it goes, the more starved they're gonna be. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm losing it myself. I don't care what show. It I is. might come out of pit retirement <laughs> by the end of <laughs> at this. least once. <laughs> It's true though, man. I think the last the last time I really went hard in a pit was uh, Suffocation came to Toronto. I think it might be about four, maybe about four or five years ago. And as soon as uh, Liege of Inferacity came on, I mean, obviously that song just like that breakdown hits. You're like, okay, all right, here we go, here we go, and that was it, right? <laughs> so I was like, holy shit, I think I'm good for another five years. But now, since literally we can't even go to a venue. Even if we don't even like the band, just to go to a venue to just absorb, you know, the live experience, I think it's killing all of us. I think I said this on another podcast. This is the longest rest that my ears have had. Oh my gosh, yes. Holy. And I'm trying to explain to my my uh, my, my my lady also, it's because I mean she loves con she loves music, she loves she loves that experience and stuff, but she doesn't care. Whereas myself and you where we have, you know, we've grown up in this and we literally try to go out to shows to help and support or whatever like that. That is, that's ingrained in us. We have to go to live shows and see what's going on with just the scene. And just, I, I like all kinds of shows, whether it be punk, hip hop, metal, you know, lounge, jazz, it doesn't matter. I love shows. And the fact that it's been this long that I haven't been able to go to anything, even an acoustic patio, <laughs> it's killing me. Yeah, live music, live music. And, and there's, you know, the screen doesn't convey it. Not at all. I mean, I, I get it. Everybody's trying, right? I mean, we're trying to give, you know, our audience, our fans, you know, a little taste of, you know, we got some new tunes or, you know, here's a jam session just to say, hey, or whatever. But literally, you're still by yourself. And that's not what live music is is it's not helping it's not helping one last question uh what is your hangover cure as he's pouring himself some more vodka <laughs> yeah out of, out of a nice dinosaur uh vase or whatever that's uh i i i, I can't break because this is my wife's actually uh what is my hangover cure oh my gosh you know what i don't even really get hangovers that often anymore I've, I'm, I'm usually pretty good because I, I, I think I smoke more weed than I do drink. So then the next day, if anything, I'll just end up, I guess this is just being an old, you know, 45 year old now, but it's like, take my vitamins, take my magnesium, take, you know, whatever I can in the morning, vitamin wise, pill wise to, you know, to, to get rid of that. And just, I literally drink water all day. I am a water fanatic. I go through a, like one of those five gallon jugs of water probably every few days because it's just, you just need it. So you wake up, you got the headache. I'll probably take an ibuprofen and then chug like half a jug of water and, you know, give myself a little bit of coffee because I'm finding coffee, even coffee nowadays is freaking starting to get my anxiety and everything all riled up because we're not getting out to release anything. So. <laughs> See, oh, this is killing me. It's killing you me. Your, your, your dose of death metal. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it, right? And that's why that's why I'm trying to do these interviews just to just to relieve that you know that anxiety and that feeling of 
you know, I can't sit down with you guys and hang out and come to your place and come to the venue just to, you know, sit down and talk as buds. So we're trying to do these interviews just to at least do something, right? Ugh. <laughs> Cannibal Cam, I'm looking forward to coming and being on yours. The live stream is going to be fun. Thank you so much for taking some time. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed this Third Moon Dust Made Flesh Double IPA. It is uh, exactly what I want a double IPA to be. It is a tropical, super hazy, creamy, dank. It does not taste like 8%. It is a fantastic beer. Everyone check out Third Moon Brewing Company. They're going to be doing huge things in Ontario. They just started with this, and I'm stoked what's coming for them. Everyone, get ready for the growl. Hopefully coming to a theater near you soon. I'm, I'm, I'm shooting way ahead, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, we have we're yeah we're in talks with all kinds of people, and they're all saying as soon as it's done, let us know. We're gonna take care of it. I really appreciate you being here. So, uh, cheers, and until uh, I'm on yours, cheers. Fucking right, bro. Hey, thank you all so so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Such a cool, funny dude. I can't wait to finally watch The Growl, a death metal documentary. It is uh, something that needs to be in our world, something that more people need to be exposed to. I can't wait until it's out and that it's in theaters. If it is and it gets into a theater near your house, go and see it. Support extreme music. Support extreme metal documentaries. I love it. I hope that you guys have a good rest of the week. Don't forget that this Thursday is another Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. I love these. I had so much fun last week with Riley McShane of Continuum and Legion. As my co-host, it was super fun. I have another co-host coming at you this week, and it's a big one. It's going to be fun. You don't want to miss it. The link for the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang is available in the description of this podcast. I have one more episode coming at you this week, and it's coming on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.